0: Hello, and welcome to the Modern Data Experience podcast on the ATARC Federal IT Newscast. I'm your host, Nick Saki, with Pure Storage, and joining us today is the Navy's Chief AI Officer, Brett Vaughn. Brett, welcome.
1: Thanks, Nick. Pleasure to be here.
0: So, Brett, the Navy has embarked on an AI journey and is, uh, is well underway, and you've been spearheading this for literally the entire duration. And I'd love it if you could sort of give us an introduction to to who you are and what you do, and then we can get into other interesting matters.
1: Yeah, certainly. So I'll I'll give you a little intro and I'll give you a little taste of the the history of the Navy's experience and involvement with uh, AI and and where we are today at what I think is a very critical juncture, uh, as I'm sure you and your listeners are probably well aware. So I'm the Navy chief AI officer. I have about 10 different bosses across the Navy in OPNAV and SECNAV and Office of Naval Research, um, where I manage AI portfolios in all those places. Um, and the easiest way to put it is, you know, any AI topic or issue that relates to man-train is is fair game, and it's something that ends up on my plate. So at multiple levels, Um, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not an AI developer. I don't do AI. I'm more of a advocate, cheerleader and communicator really, and a strategist. Um, We'll get into more of that, uh, you know, who I, who I work with on a daily basis and how they're spread across the service, but really uh, that's it in a nutshell uh, for me. Um, And so you know the Navy has been involved in um, in AI since the inception of the discipline, since the fifties. In fact, you know there's, um, you know, if you get really into AI and the the subs the sub uh, strains of it, symbolic and sub symbolic, uh, one of those was actually uh, created by a Navy person at the Office of Naval Research, way, 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 way back when. This is what we would recognize today as reinforcement learning and, and related activities. Um, so, especially proud of that. But you know, uh, since the '50s, Navy researchers at the Naval Research Lab and, and also Naval Research have been active. Um, they were active. You know, this thousands of researchers, right? Hundreds of thousands of researchers. Um, our core is uh, our core scientific and technological expertise in AI's. AI Naval Research Lab, Um, they've most recently informed both the DOD and the national AI strategy. Um, And at that location in 81, uh, it's where the Navy first established uh, um, the the Navy AI uh, R&D Center. So that's really the center of gravity for AI related uh, research and development uh, in the service at the Naval Research Lab. Uh, We're proud of that. But um, so a lot of time in AI. Um, The challenge we face today is, um, well, before the challenge, decades of work, terrific work in in an area, uh, science and technology and R&D, where I think we still hold a tremendous advantage compared to our peer competitors. Um, The challenge for us today is now moving a lot of that work into the field, to the fleet, uh, and to the force. And I, when I say that, I mean the Navy and the Marine Corps. Uh, that's where the game is today. That's where the competition is. Um, there's plenty of opportunity, but when it comes to AI deployment and operationalization, we're, um, compared to industry, we're relative uh, rookies or newcomers, I should say. It's not something that we've been doing operationally you know, as long as we have uh, scientifically, let's put it that way, that the, and the challenges they're unpacked to a lot. Uh, the good news is um, part of my job I, is, is tracking where we are doing AI related activity. I don't like to call them AI projects because um, rarely is there an AI project. It's usually an AI capability that's um, enabling or advancing another you know, mission focused capability. Right. So, you know, I maintain a dashboard of, of who's doing what with what type of AI in the Navy. And I think the number or the total number is, uh, it's in the thousands. I think uh, a lot of folks would be surprised. So the challenge r- really is, um, there's a tremendous amount of potential, you know, it's almost limitless, but as you and your listeners know that the pentagon resources aren't <laughs> so necking down that that huge field of potential into uh defined channels that are important to the cno and the secretary of the navy is a large part of what i do on a day-to-day basis so um and with that i'll just cut it off there and, and we can unpack that, uh, that is a discussion but um yeah For so not sure. that's where i so i sit what i do and and where we've been, so where we sit right there uh, now today. So,
0: that's an astonishing array of programs. And as you said, the history of this goes goes very far back within the DoD, within the Navy in particular. And as you said, you know, since one thousand, nine hundred and fifty-one. So that means we're celebrating the sixtieth year of artificial intelligence research and development. And that that's actually pretty spectacular. You know, a lot of times, right. people don't realize that technologies that seem new are in fact the product of a tremendous amount of research, of preparation, of testing and experimentation before it ever shows up. And we were having this discussion among some of my peers. Uh, Did you ever notice that CRTs, cathode ray tubes, basically disappeared from desktops in the span of about three years? But plasma TVs had been around for a good 10 to 15 years prior to that. It's just, there's always this point at which the wave crests and then breaks, and there's a technology transition. Sometimes you don't even notice with artificial intelligence. And we went from AI to uh, big data analytics, and then we realized there was so much big data, we sort of needed some help. And that became a natural place to start applying artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities to broad and diverse, and as as time's gone by, uh, ever increasing volumes and velocities of disparate types of data. There's more stuff for us to look at than we have eyes and ears uh, to consider. But you just hit on another thing. The multiplicity of applications for artificial intelligence are, are vast. Wherever there is human cognition, we're looking at ways to do augmented assistance, machine assistance um, for that type of processing. As a result, you have a dashboard that has thousands of AI projects on it. it spans every, every area, like all technology, it spans every area of human endeavor. We create things in order to make us more capable. That's technology. So now that we have the speed and the power and the scale that computing provides us from conventional compute now today to you know GPU graphics processing unit driven compute, we have you know breathtaking scale, hyperscale uh, reach and computational power. So that I really appreciate you giving us sort of the history and evolution of how we got here. You know, in army terms, that's like the road to war. So how <laughs> we got to this point. Is always important to understand everything old is new again, or sometimes everything old finally comes to the forefront and hits its its inflection point for application. So, what has the Navy done over the course of the past few years in developing and then making available artificial intelligence processing development training capability uh, to the service and really to the force? Um, and you know, tell us a little bit about the decision. The decision-making process and the course of action that you chose uh, to create that capability or to, to implement that capability and make it available across the service.
1: Yeah. So, so like I said, I think you know the best way to capture most of the, our recent progress is is you know uh, largely in the in the in the field of R and D. And the challenge now is to push as much of that. Into the operational space as we can, as makes as much as makes sense and is operationally impactful, right? So mm-hmm. therein lies a lot of the challenges that we face today, and a lot of them aren't so much technology based. Uh, the my perspective, the vast majority are culture based or practice uh, mm-hmm. organization, right? Because we've you mentioned tech transition, right? So. Technologies like AI are changing the very definition of tech transition. In, in many cases, uh, that's an observation, not just a you know a, a supposition or a or a guess. I, I'm watching that happen every day, and um, whether it's it's how we build a budget in the Pentagon or how we talk to Congress, um, these are these are aliens to a lot of folks that pull the levers there and having that conversation that, you know, getting those folks to absorb and digest and react appropriately is, uh, it's one of the challenges we have. And as you know, you know, anybody will tell you changing culture is really tough, Um, especially, you know, in an organization like the Navy, we're steeped in culture, right? We're, you know, we're we're 200 and some years old, turned 75 years old. You know, if you're a company stand up today, you're pretty much born digital and and digital is a really a critical underpinning uh, predicate for effective AI. Uh, Much harder for a 200 plus organization who was born pretty much industrial to make that shift. But we got to do it. Um, Not in every area. Right. You know, we're still going to be haze gray and underway and we're still, you know, uh, get under, you know, do operations, what we always do, but at some level, uh, that has got to be underpinned and fueled by things that are digital, things that are software driven, and, and these capabilities run at a very, very, you know, different uh, rate of speed and a very different nature. And so we're 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 uh, working with our service to get our folks at key areas like how we write requirements, how we write contracts, uh, how we transition a capability. How how all those folks interact with each other, right, is is different as well. It can't. It's not a. It's not a set of handoffs. It's not a you know to take test and evaluation for example. It's not a one time T and E where you validate something, let it go into the wild, and then you come back six months later or when it breaks. With AI, that never ends. It's a constant, constant activity. Almost everything about AI is constant. But yeah. that all that flies in the face of what you know, most of our folks have been uh, trained to and taught over the last couple of decades. So um, making that shift is hard. So one of the things I'm most proud of that we've accomplished over the last year or so is, um, you know, looking at, uh, like I mentioned, uh, so we were talking before the the call started about the National Security Commission on AI, who essentially, um, you know, put a mark out there for the whole department to be AI enabled by 2025. So all the services are marching to that, that, uh, that line. Uh, what they really said in a nutshell is, you know, the department is not really main trained equipped to be effective in, on the AI playing field and, and you guys have some work to do. So one of the things I'm most proud of over the last year or so um, to get at the man train equip piece how we mm-hmm. how we raise the service uh how we raise ai competency and, and that's important because to yeah. us it's not a technology it's not a it's a constellation of capabilities and technology but i i view it when you when you look at what you need to do to bring that to the field mm-hmm. uh, identifying creating an ai stack and sustaining yeah. it keeping it coherent it's a competency, right? So we in the Navy, we very much view A as a competency. Um, We have established over the last year or so, AI task forces at each one of our type commanders. And for those that don't speak Navy, that means in undersea warfare, surface warfare, aviation, um, special warfare, uh, information warfare, and expeditionary warfare. We have groups of folks focused on, not only setting priorities for AI application, but also making sure that uh, the resources that underpin that are provisioned, are prioritized within their respective budgets, and then provisioned and sustained as a, as a as a matter of of business. And that's what I want it to be. I want I don't want AI to be sidecar. I want it to eventually be an organic consideration that's that's really not it's not looked on as special. It's just something we take advantage of and do as a, as a matter of course in our, in their daily, you know, uh, business of the Navy. So that's where we're trying to work. So the establishment of those task forces has been a, uh, it's been a tremendous, from from my perspective, a tremendous accomplishment. They, they just get better every day. Um, the most recent one, uh, Task Force 59 out in Fifth Fleet which is focused on um, intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, and 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 maritime battle awareness in the Fifth Fleet AOR for both autonomous systems, but also AI. And those guys have been, if you if you keep track on LinkedIn, they they're posting almost every other day. I think they had a couple contracts let within nine days of their commissioning. They were just they're really flying out of the gate and they're doing really tremendous stuff working with DARPA and um, a lot of folks in the service as well. So I'm really proud of them. And I only expect that kind of activity to increase and and think it's it's absolutely necessary because while we have, you know, thousands of AI related efforts going on, unless we can uh, attack and really form up the fabric, the digital fabric that underpins all that capability, a lot of that effort will be um sub-optimized. So that really is a, a challenge for us, is getting digital and, um, and hitting that, that core fabric that you really need to drive uh,
0: impactful AI there's you know that that ties into i think another really uh, salient characteristic so you've got an idea and so we've got a mission and a mandate and we've established what the competency is how do we deploy the capability to the service to start capitalizing on that and to that end you and, and particularly you know naval surface warfare center crane has been particularly innovative and, uh, and and really functioned as the spearhead or the you know the initial launch of AI capability as a service catalog for the Navy. And so, it, you know, that's actually pretty tremendous. And if you could describe that a little bit, that, that'd that be fascinating, I think, to the audience.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's another accomplishment that I'm really, really proud of from the, so the infrastructure side of things, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, to get at a really basic level, I think you can, uh, you know, to, to try and, uh, you know, identify the pieces, the key pieces you need to be effective and good at AI is you need data, obviously. You need infrastructure or what we call the AI stack. And and you need competency, right? You need the practice, you know, there's a how you do things. Like how do you pair AI development with software development with data engineering, right? Right. Um, So the AI ready infrastructure at Crane, um, which is a high performance compute uh, asset, um, was established to help naval researchers, you know, take advantage of advances in, um, in, in modern technology. When you look at the Navy as a service, again, we're, we're in a, a, a phase shift from industrial to digital, right, uh, in many places. But, you know, at, at a pointy end where AI is concerned, we do have some modernization chores ahead of us. With, with as we look at our gear and and then look at what's um, what's required and what's effective in the AI space. So um, so Airy, uh, the AI ready infrastructure, was a significant significant achievement uh, for our researchers. So it's an asset that we intend to deploy or we have deployed to be available to our uh, research and development enterprise uh, for them to, you know, uh, fuel and fill the, the infrastructure or compute part of the AI stack. Um, when we, you know, we're recently up at Carnegie Mellon and um, one of the things we talked about um, that I like to talk about is, is uh, a concept we call AI fusion it was actually born out of Carnegie Mellon. Uh, They also uh, developed the notion of this AI stack that almost all the services subscribe to now, we certainly do. Um, They have recently rolled out this concept of AI fusion, which is uh, simply the marriage of uh, centralized AI and distributed AI across a continuum of technology. And if you look at just the technology thread, right? Uh, so imagine, imagine you're in the Pentagon and you're you're looking at either an HPC or data center, and then you're moving out from the Pentagon towards a ship that's maybe in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, right? You're going to move from data center to cloud, to to mid edge, to uh, near edge, then the far edge, right? To device, right? Right. When we look at the AI stack. We need to we need to be cognizant that that stack's going to change at every one of those junctures. The fabric is going to be tight in some places and looser in others. But the HPC, like Airy, is up at that centralized AI end for the most part, where we do traditional AI, like where we're moving data into an AI environment, right? To, yeah. To, uh, to do AI, the other end of that spectrum is distributed AI, where we don't want to be in the business of moving a lot of data around. Sure. We want to, we want to rather move algorithms to the, data. to the data, right? Right. So, so AI fusion is simply marrying those two concepts because we need them both. We need to do centralized AI and distributed AI, but Airy sits at an important juncture on that spectrum uh, to help our researchers, principally. Um, at the, at the left end in the central AI piece mm-hmm. where bandwidth is plentiful and compute is plentiful, but just to give it that added horsepower and fuel many, many, many areas in the R and D, uh, sector. And again, like I said, early on our researchers, I believe that's where we have an advantage today in the global marketplace. So I think Aerie, uh, uh, the true value there is helping us retain that advantage in that yeah. co- Competitive space, so I'd love to see more. But happy that that the guys at Crane were able to make that happen.
0: Well, it's provided an incredibly valuable capability to to the service at large, given the researchers' dedicated infrastructure in the environments. And I, I, you know, I'm talking about the network echelons that they that they have to work in. Sometimes the data automatically mitigates against doing things in an open environment, or. The process itself has to function in a given environment and you have to really engineer it natively within that architecture. So that's, that's a tremendous capability for the service. They get to work on you know tools that they know work with data sets that they know they have to understand. And that allows us to deploy a finished project or product forward to operate in the environment that it's going to be expected to function in. Now, that's incredibly powerful. That's harder to do in some places and in some infrastructures than others. Um, so, the results, you know, let's talk a little bit about results because I guess you guys have been underway with this for uh, coming up on three years now. Um, how's the adoption been across the Navy? Um, and then, of course, shortly after the service catalog was made available and ARI was deployed, uh, the JAKE was stood up. So, the joint artificial intelligence capability across the DoD. So, I'm sure there was a, lo- a great opportunity there for uh, some interactions, some lessons learned, some process sharing. So, just beginning from the beginning, uh, you know, what have the results been in the deployment of the Navy's own organic AI capability?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's, um, you know, I talked about our task forces. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, right now it's about seven, which are seven different different communities um, that will, you know, take care of the fundamentals and will knit them operationally as we move out uh, as a service. And then ultimately, as part of a joint force, right, and that's where the Jake comes right. in. So, so everything I said about the technology spectrum, it's not unique to the Navy; it's also a joint concern, right? And and I work with the Jake. You know, I talk to the Jake uh, every day. I mean, that's part of my job as the primary Navy um, engagement point with the Joint AI Center. Um, you know, and they do they do AI policy, of course. Um, They've shifted into more of a consultancy role uh, with the services and the combatant commands. That's important about you know setting priorities and then helping them lug the the data and the stack around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, you know about the stack. You know one of the big things they provide is that Joint Common Foundation, which is right. really that um, it's that AI abstraction layer that, that that provides that provides that AI development environment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, which is, which is key and, uh, will be important, uh, to many Navy projects. Ultimately, I think today we have, um, we have, uh, a few Navy and Marine Corps projects subscribe to the joint common foundation. Um, there's a couple, and, and that kind of leads me to some of our, what I'll call our, um, our, our trailblazers and, and some of the folks who are doing some of the, um, uh, uh, what I consider to be the most impactful work, um, in our, um, uh, undersea warfare and our special warfare communities. Um, and the, uh, the latter they've been, <laughs> they've, this is old hat to them. They, I think people would be surprised. They've been steeped in using, you know, AI operationally for some time now. Um, obviously can't go into the details there, but, um, They're um, they're certainly um, on the vanguard and leading the charge, as well as our undersea uh, community. And if you're familiar with the Navy, it should be no surprise. You know these are the guys that brought nuclear power to the Navy, and then it went out to from the submarine force to to the rest of the force. They're a very uh, tight knit and um, and uh, close community, and I think that enabled them to. probably get their arms around AI uh, uh, faster and, and more effectively than the others. But, you know, the other communities are, are um, there's a terrific amount of cross-pollinization and cross-communication between our task forces. And everybody, I, I watch, you know, I, I sync up with these task forces on a regular basis. And, uh, just, you know, the amount of cross-dialogue and learning that's taking place is, uh, it's, um, it's very gratifying for me. And, um, and that was one of the reasons we established them as well is uh, not just to, to work uh, AI priorities within their own communities, but then um, share data, lessons learned, uh, tools, catalogs, models, algorithms, across so there's no you know, unnecessary duplication or replication—that's that's huge and important if we're to uh, to get to where we want to be, which is really scaling AI. Right. Uh, uh, and again, you know, our our north star really is scaling AI by twenty twenty five for the for the whole service. Um, yeah, so so um, we're watching the operational successes. They're starting to to. Um, they're starting to strip my ability to keep track of them which I'm that's a problem I'm happy to have Use an AI. Um, yeah and Project um with an ai yeah right so uh yeah so the numbers keep growing i'm amazed every day and i'm hopeful that you know um we'll start to move that needle and uh make a, a good headway towards that 2025
0: mark you know in a lot of respects it looks like you know the confluence of need, you know, capability, organization, and orchestration all came together in the right order at the right time. As you said, the Jake was established, and everybody thought that they that they might be the central controlling authority for AI across the board. And they very wisely decided that, the as usual, know best how to do what they need to do for themselves. So they became the setting, the setter of standards, the chief coordination element. And ensured that everybody was synchronized, that information and processes and and successes could be propagated rapidly. That you know, that that freed the services to pursue their individual needs as 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 they needed to, and then you, or as they saw fit. And then you see this tremendous explosion in the variety and uh applicability and development of artificial intelligence capabilities across the navy so clearly there's a need and there's infrastructure and there's organization and all of it happened in a way that it's coalesced around a coherent and and really monumental effort uh, to take advantage of artificial intelligence across every aspect of the service you you hit on surface warfare undersea warfare special operations aviation etc there's a million people often think about but don't talk about both the logistics and the medical capabilities that AI can offer as well when you have a, a couple of hundred million parts all of which wear at different rates on different types of vessels on different types of platforms it's you know incredibly helpful to, to determine what can we learn about how we consume or how we wear our equipment those are all things that you know are, are fields of endeavor across all the services but the Navy really you know launched into this, Uh, with tremendous emphasis on creating the capacity to allow AI development to flourish. And, you know, obviously we're very proud to have been a partner in that, as are all the other, uh, you know, infrastructure, software, and technology providers that have, you know, that we're helping you get there and making it as easy as possible. The standards-based development has also been incredibly important. You know, you created the JCF, so now we have a framework for developing artificial intelligence capability and then propagating it across all of the services. It's, it's, you know, it's good to see that you know, across the service, nobody's trying to go it alone, but everybody's working really hard to get what they need uh, deploys capability. But the fun thing about AI is you gotta think about it like a person. Um, I learned math and English and French and Spanish and history and composition. One brain learned how to do all those things in school. You know, so once you once an once an algorithm's learned how to learn something, it's interesting to apply that same algorithm against a similar knowledge set or sometimes an unrelated one, and see how it learns to understand the data that it's working with. Um, I've seen tremendous advancements in computer vision technology come out of the medical community and into the Intel community, because if you're looking for coherent change detection in the pathology of cancer, that's not dissimilar to looking at the surface of the Earth and watching things change, whether it's you know, water flow over the surface and channelization of rivers, or it's, you know, formations and movements on the ground. These are all, the computer has learned to learn and learned to see. And now it's giving you, you know, it's observations on the data that it's being presented. That's pretty exciting. So we were talking about AI deployment previously. And one of the analogies that occurred to me is, as you move the AI forward, it's almost like you're deploying a sailor forward. You know, hey, I'm assigning you to this vessel. You're gonna have this mission as there may be a BuPERS office for artificial intelligence algorithms in the future. Um, So what's next? What do you see, uh, or where do you see the evolution of AI capability evolving in the Navy? Well, we really kind of discussed broadly across the DoD, but as we've sort of figured out the groundwork and laid the keel, if you will, of AI capability in the service, how do you see it growing? Uh, Not what we're gonna be doing, but how it's going to evolve.
1: Yeah, sure. And sorry for the dog there. Not I told at all. Mailman would walk by, and he sure did. Right, right, as, right then. So, but he's good now. We're good now. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, we think of um, at least I think of AI as a general purpose technology, but it in its application, it's it has to be highly customized to the problem or the mission. Right. And, and that there's the rub, right? So, if you're in the Jake, you're, you're focused on the joint war fight. Um we will obviously lead with them, but we're not we can't be wholly dependent on the Jake because there's things we have to do within our service lines to make that happen as well. So but, you know, the algorithm that is built for a submariner is not the one we want to use for a Hornet driver or a SEAL, right? Um at the same time, like you said, uh we can make a significant amount of hay with uh you know some cute vision algorithms that were for facial recognition or image ID to find ships and other objects of interest right and we're, you know we're doing that as well um, so it, it really comes back to a core precept for us is always to start with a problem or a mission not AI and really go diligently to one figure out if AI is even the right tool for a problem or not and if it is What's the right AI modality, right? So you know, we I said at the beginning, we we think of AI as a constellation of technologies, really, and and we think of or picture five bands uh, from the most rudimentary to the most sophisticated, you know, robotic process automation, intelligent automation, cognitive analytics, narrow AI, and general AI. Uh, that's our landscape, right? And so that's the palette that we work with, yeah. and so what what I call Navy AI calculus is looking at a problem and then matching the right uh, strain of AI to that problem. Um, where we're, you know, today where we're focused and um, the CNO recently spoke about this at the uh, Surface Navy Association meeting um, is uh, using AI to advance and, and achieve the CNO's navigation plan That's his. That's his strategic vision, right? And, and if you open that document up, uh, there's four big areas of capability, capacity, um, readiness, and sailors, right? So there's, a, there's a, a definite human element to that. But within there, uh, there are three or four, you know, capability-focused, call them buckets, that are really defining and driving where we're, we intend to push, you um, um, our tier one you know ai capabilities and and those are how we maneuver how we defend how we resupply and how we shoot or fires right and 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 this is that's uh, if you're familiar with the naval task list they're straight out of there right so those are basic things the navy is you know supposed to do um so that's where you start and so one of the things we're doing now um as part of this, the effort's called the Nav Plan Implementation Framework, is going through that calculus of inside those buckets, what are the, the, the problems that, are, um, that could most be advanced by AI? And how do we most effectively make those connections and then pursue the, the stack across that spectrum that I talked, that whole AI fusion continuum? So how do we enable that capability from a centralized AI capability all the way out to a distributed AI capability to fuel things, operational concepts like um, uh, distributed maritime operations, or um, expeditionary advanced base operations, or logistics in a contested environment. Those are three, you know, operational concepts and, and core examples of of the things we're trying to evolve or advance um, with AI, but um, and you know, again, in doing that, um, we've got a modernization challenge. There is it, it bringing our gear up to speed. Again, ari is a big part of that, but also, you know, if you if you look at uh, many of the industry leaders in AI, they're and you your <laughs> your outfits well aware of this are coming out with some really eye watering uh, pieces of, pieces of novel AI hardware and the micro luxury. Mectronics piece uh, field that are absolutely critical to doing AI to edge and something we're, we're keenly focused on. Uh, But again, and I always, you know, try and uh, I beat this drum, you know, repeatedly when I have conversations like this is uh, and just the other day, we're up at Carnegie Mellon with uh, Lieutenant General Groen who's the director of the Jake. and, And I think he said that he made this point as well. As did his predecessor, General Shanahan, that you know, technology is probably twenty percent of this. The other eighty percent is the it's it's culture, its organization, its practice, and, and getting the 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 enabling pieces set, and then making sure they're sustained. Um, uh, in doing that, I I often refer to what I call the four horsemen of AI: uh, are speed, scale, coherence, and resilience. Uh, speed and scale are are pretty self explanatory, but coherence and resilience applies to the stack. You know, right. building it, sustaining it, keeping it coherent and and resilient, or some people use robust, but I, they're they're the same to me. But um and and watching it constantly because again, you mentioned the AI is like a human. I absolutely agree. You wouldn't just let your kid run around for you know a month outside, you know, and check back in with me, you know, in two months or whatever. You know, this is something that has to be you know watched, uh, nurtured, right, sustained, um, and as any software, you know, uh, heavy capability, uh, continual touching and uh, and management are uh, absolutely crucial, and it's it's a big it's a big uh uh practice or a culture oriented shift for us so um i i I think through our task forces we can start to change that ship of culture you know community by community uh again i'm encouraged to see what they're doing individually and across the communities i think that's going to be um that's going to be really key in the near term so
0: Brett, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for you know, giving us a, a 360 degree view of the AI development and evolution across the Navy and how you see its future. Thank you so much for your tremendous efforts in spearheading this uh, across the services and, and particularly you know, being out front with the Navy and, and guiding that ship. Um, we look forward to seeing how it continues to evolve. And once again, thank you so much. Do you have any, any final words before we, we call it a day?
1: Uh, no, uh, just thanks. Nick and the team It is my pleasure. We're happy to do this. Uh, whenever I can, I, I would just say that, you know, to anybody watching that, you know, we are open to engagement on how to do this and, and do it better. We know that industry is leading the charge here. Um, we're not going to be able to do this without industry, uh, at our side, but, but you guys, you're on the cutting edge, especially where technology is concerned. Um, and we are eager to work with you um, to bring uh, the Navy operational view into the equation. And, and I, I'm sure you're well aware, um, if your listeners aren't, for us, one of the most important things, the recipe for effective or impactful AI is not just an AI expert, but the domain expert, the subject matter expert, to make sure that AI is crafted to their problems, their mission, and that it's constantly uh, tuned to a changing and very dynamic environment. And that's something we, we absolutely face today. So uh, happy to do this whenever I can. Um, you guys call anytime and, and we, can, uh, we can do a follow-up or a, a different version. So um, thanks mm-hmm. for the opportunity and uh, uh, it's a
0: pleasure. Thank you. Once again, this has been the Modern Data Experience Podcast from the ATARC Federal IT Newscast. I'm Nick Saki, and thank you.